Welcome to the Teensy Leader Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Joe Atak. Hello. Hello. Hi, Joe. Hi. Is it um, is it short for Joseph? It is not. Or Joey? It's not. It's actually, it, my legal name is Jonathan. Jonathan? I know. Everyone is always very surprised by that. Why do you go by Joe instead of Jonathan? Um, well, when I was a kid, um, well, first of all, when I was trying to say Jonathan when I was a baby learning to talk, it came out as Jojo. Mm. And it in my family, it just sort of stuck. But then when I got to school, Jonathan in 1981 in England, um, I guess Jonathan was a really popular name. Oh. So there were there were two other Jonathans. In fact, my two best friends growing up were both called Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, there, so there were three of us. Um, <laughs> it's like that uh, weird John Mulvaney joke where he's, he and all his friends are pulled over by the police and each one of them's name is John. And the cop goes down the line and gets to John Mulvaney and he's like, you better not say your name's John. <laughs> because they were all – so it was like that, yeah. Yeah. So just so stuck, mm-hmm. yeah. That's that's crazy. So so JoJo, you would respond to that? When I was very little, yeah. No longer? No longer, yeah. Okay. When I was like maybe two. Just okay for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for coming in today. Oh yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah. Maybe you could introduce yourself to our audience. Just uh, sure. Wh- what you do as a profession, your background in art, stuff like that. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Joe Atak, as you already heard. Um, I am originally from England, hence having this weird American English hybrid accent that I'm talking to you in. Um, I grew up in Northern England. So this is my talking to Americans accent because, um, well, maybe we'll get into that later. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I am the producing artistic director at Good Luck Macbeth Theatre Company, and I'm also the director of education and grant writer at Lake Tahoe Shakespeare Festival. That is my main job, the second one there, the the my work at Lake Tahoe Shakespeare Festival. That's my full-time gig. Mm-hmm. And I've been there since 2011, but I've been working with the festival for a long time. Yeah. Why Why did you come to Reno for Shakespeare? It's a good question. Uh, so um, to give you a little background on me, I guess. So I grew up in a really small, tiny little village. Um, What's the name? It, it doesn't – well, it's called Carlton with an E. Mm. Um Carl Eaton is how you would Carl Eaton. Eat, how is how it's spelled, and it's outside a real small, really small mining town in Pontefract, West Yorkshire. And so my sort of journey began there, and we didn't really have an abundance of art. So my sort of journey was going doing theatre in high school, and then going from there to art college to be do a performing arts degree, and then going to theatre school. And I, I trained as a professional actor and director, and I was working doing that in. Manchester, which is where I trained to be an actor at the Arden School of Theatre, which at the time was part of University of Manchester, but is not anymore. Um, and anyway, I, I was sort of working out there and my partner at the time and I had a had an apartment and we broke up and I had nowhere to live. My sister lived in Reno. My sister worked for Lake Tahoe Shakespeare Festival at the time. And so I came to Reno because I'd broken up with my girlfriend in England and I didn't have a place to live at the time. And my sister and I, uh, our our dad died when we were when I was 20. Um, and my sister had lived in America since she was like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. No, that's a lie. Since I was 15 years old and she was like 19 when she moved here. 
And so we hadn't lived in the same place for a long time. And she was like, hey, before you get a new place to live, why don't you come and stay with me for like three months in America and like go snowboarding and hang out and just have a good time, you know, like because you're working all the time and hustling all the time trying to get acting gigs and working like in a restaurant like most actors, you know, in the sort of stereotypical way. (laughs) And so I was like, yeah, um, that sounds great. I had no intention of moving here really at all. I just was like, you know, heartbroken and and bored, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I ended up in Reno. That's 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 really what it was. So I got to Reno and I was here for a while. And, you know, theater and making theater has always been, you know, or making art in general, music, theater, whatever it is, has always been sort of the driving force of my life, really. And so... Uh, while I was here, I was like, I wonder what theater is here and I wonder what is going on. And so I met Cameron Crane, mm-hmm. who some people may or may not know. He doesn't live in Reno anymore. He lives in uh, Tennessee now. Um, but he he and I met over coffee and we were talking about theater and what theater is about. And essentially he offered me a job um, mm-hmm. with Nevada Shakespeare Company. And that's how I ended up out here. So over like a... <laughs> What was supposed to be like a little quick coffee meeting, we go into this really intense, in-depth conversation about what is theater, what's it for, what do we believe in, you know, and he just happened to say, well, I'm going to need someone to help me run this organization. And I had already, I had, so I had, the first theater company I set up with friends, I was like 22, we had uh, a theater company in England, and then I had another one. Uh, like about six months later, I was I was helping to run two different companies in England, very small. Um, and so I had kind of an experience and a background that he was like, "Yeah, you'd be actually really great at this." And we do Shakespeare in schools, and yeah, and that that was a long rambling answer to say. Yes, it was, but I'm I, I was here th- for it. That's how I yeah, got yeah, here. I liked yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, heartbroken and bored. That's <laughs> the that's the one I <laughs> yeah. heard, and I was just like, mm, that probably is a lot of people and, for coming to Reno. The reason Re- why Reno's kind of like a vortex like that. Like a lot of people yeah. I know who come to Reno um, end up here for a long time, and it's a str- Reno is a unique place in a really great way. Um, it's it's got its own personality and its own character, but it's also it's wild west enough still that if you have a lot of determination, you want to build things, you want to make stuff, you can do it here. Whereas if you find yourself in, say, a bigger metropolis like Los Angeles or New York, yes, you can still do those things, but it's much, much harder because the infrastructure and the way in which you have to work is much more difficult. You know, you have a lot more things to contend with. Way bigger pond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot more going on. It's harder to find space to Mm -hmm. work in is one Mm -hmm. of the big things. And when then when you do find the space because of the – this is a really boring arts administration thing to talk about. But when you're in a really big metropolis like Los Angeles, for example, as you're finding spaces, there are a lot more regulations and things you have to work around because of how built up the area is. And it makes total sense and it's the way it should be for everyone's safety and – and all those kind of things. But if you're in San Francisco or Los Angeles, you know, like we went to a, my friend Pam Pantoja, who we'll probably talk about in a little bit, uh, we went to see a big art space one time in San Francisco. They have a lot more 
and in Oakland, they have a lot more restrictions around building space and capacity and what you can do and what you can't do um, because of how in close proximity to what they are to each other, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, way different building codes, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's, there are a lot more uh, earthquakes in California. I'm right. sure that that plays effect on it, right? Well, yeah, and also in places like Oakland, one of the big issues they've had over the last, you know, gosh, 10 years, really the infl- influx of all those big tech companies which have driven a lot of people out of various districts. You know, um, they've created a housing crunch for artists in those neighborhoods. So mm-hmm. you end up with the ghost. I don't know if you remember the story of the ghost ship. It's a really... Mm. Uh, no, tell us. It was a really cool art collective space in Oakland, but a lot of the artists were living inside of it, mm. which was not good yeah and what happened was they had it was like a maze inside it became like a kind of a maze and they had a fire and a bunch of people got trapped in there and, and died because they couldn't get out because they'd created living spaces that were also but it was also kind of a maze i believe to get out you know yeah. so that's a, that's crazy no i never heard of that story yeah that was a couple years ago uh it'd be about it's so hard with pandemic the yeah. pandemic's like created this weird time thing where the last the previous two years 2020 and 2021 like each both like four to five years each yes in time <laughs> where i'm like how long ago was it so i think it was probably it was a little bit before the pandemic so probably five years ago maybe now yeah yeah that that is crazy um yeah and i've heard you speak on this before it's a, a very good point in Reno. You do have the ability to create more mm-hmm. um, because there is more room for it. Right. Um, maybe you could talk more on that. Like what, what kind of things have you done while you've been here? I know, yeah. um, you know, you do a lot of theater, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really weird because not a lot of people I feel at this point in your life, at least this mm-hmm. is my perception, have maybe seen cool. you act a lot. Uh-huh. Um, because you do a lot more of other things, but you're a really good actor. Like you're <laughs> oh, a really good you. actor. Yeah. Yeah. We, we acted in a game of Thrones parody together. Mm-hmm. And during that, I was like, wow, Joe's so good though. Uh, <laughs> and then also I watched you, uh, do noises off. Mm-hmm. That's probably, um, the last local thing. And I know you've done some Shakespeare stuff. You've, you've yeah, yeah. filled in for things. Um, yeah. Sorry. I kind of no, took okay. over there for a second. What, no. what kind of things have you done uh, while being here? Yeah. So um, when I first got here and I worked for Nevada Shakespeare Company, um, one of the I mean, a lot of what I've done is teaching at schools. Um, I've worked as an actor for Lake Tower Shakespeare Festival for a long time. So um, since 2008, um, I've performed on the main stage at Lake Tower Shakespeare Festival. I haven't the last couple of years. Um partially because of covid and and the issues around how that's changed that would be something interesting to kind of talk about how it's somewhat changed our approach there to to work at at lake tower shakespeare festival um one of the things i did when i first got here um cameron crane and i co-wrote a piece called romeo and juliet ish which was a three-person version of romeo and juliet and we taught that through idaho oregon and nevada and i was in that as well as Sort of, it was it was you know a different time we sort of co-directed it together co-wrote it and um i was in it and it was a really weird funny version of romeo and juliet and we took that on the road and performed that a lot i used to perform a lot for nevada shakespeare company um and i you know i played the title role in the scottish play um Mercutio in romeo and juliet benedict in much ado about nothing um 
which are like, you know, the more prominent roles um, in those plays. Done a lot of minor roles for Lake Tower Shakespeare Festival and a lot of directing. Um, Directed for Bruker, directed for GLM before I was there. Um, And I direct the education programs at Lake Tahoe and we have a kids program that we do, which is a Shakespeare, you know, production. I also uh, spent some time in New York and did a play out there at the Metropolitan uh, Theater, which is in the Lower East Side, which is like off off Broadway. Uh, done some local film stuff. Did a lot of acting, obviously, in England and and whatnot before I came out here. A lot of acting. Have you ever directed a film piece? Yes, but more uh, yeah, it's like short film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When was that? A long time ago back in England and and I used to I used to do stand-up comedy I used to be in a stand-up comedy duo and I like so I, I suppose it sort of speaks to what what sort of drives me is that I've always been it's hard for me to sit still mm. um I'm I'm uh Chad and Chad Sweet and I Chad Sweet who works at RLT were having this conversation a couple of days ago mm-hmm. um it's like being a shark you can't stop moving Mm-hmm. have to have stuff to do all the time otherwise you know i don't know what i would do i'd get bored mm-hmm. and or get do something weird like buy myself weird stuff i don't need or something i don't know <laughs> what's the weirdest thing you've bought yourself out of boredom oh god i don't know because i keep myself really busy that's a good thing <laughs> yeah yeah i keep myself super busy um do you ever what do you have anything in your amazon uh shopping cart at this very moment i do not i do not Okay. <laughs> do not. I have I my Amazon list is always real weird though because I yeah. buy a lot of stuff for GLM. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like the weirdest thing we've bought recently is three sex dolls. Yep. Um three blow well they're not really sex dolls, they're like fake blow up sex like dolls. Novelty yeah. something or for other. shock that we yeah. have upcoming. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm sort of I'm just a very I, I I have a very creative um sort of energy, so I need to be creating and thinking and doing things all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, at, right out of drama school in England, I set up a theater company with some friends and we took a show to Fringe, a Fringe festival in England. Mm-hmm. And we got, it was a massive success. It was a play that mm-hmm. two, two of my friends wrote. It's a huge success, got picked up by a regional theater, went into the regional theater. We got like arts council funding. Then we did another show. Then I set up another company at the same time that yeah. did rural it was like set up in a rural community. Mm. So it was all about plays that were created specifically for that community. Stories that surrounded the idea of what it's like to live in the countryside, essentially. And we wrote all these different cool plays. Um, when you were doing those those mm-hmm. rural plays, mm-hmm. where did you perform them? Were they on stages or did you do more yeah. unconventional spaces? It's super cool. So they have this space called The Mart, okay, which is short for the cattle market. Okay. So it's an old cattle market that is converted into a theater space. It's not really a theater. It's basically a cattle market with lights. Um, wow. Yeah, so that's okay. where we that's where we set up the that, space. That's pretty cool. And my best friend in England, uh, Tom, who's a really great educator, but also a very talented actor, and so loads of really cool stuff on television in England. He's worked with all kinds. He's like worked in the same uh, plays as some very famous English, uh, same shows as some very famous uh british actors but he um he wrote a play called veg boy which is about a man who could produce a, a man who could produce vegetables using like a, a, a ray that came out of his finger mm-hmm. and he could produce like you know, that was his superpower 
um, he'd fallen into a silo, silage tank and that was struck by lightning and developed this superpower. But it was actually about the forced diversification of farming, mm. which is a really big issue in England after the foot and mouth outbreak. So it was like a clever way to talk about something that was really important to the community, which was taking farmers who's, who've been on a, a land for generations, 100-year leases that they have on these farms, and, you know, they're growing the same kind of crops, but it's like, hey, you've got to diversify now. So you've been growing this crop or doing this thing for many years, but now we want you to diversify and do something totally different with the land. And so one of his friends actually did really well out of that. He made a a buffalo mozzarella, Mm. which was a really weird thing to make in Mm -hmm. North Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. But a lot of other farms had a really hard time with that, trying to do something they hadn't done. So that's what that play was about, even Mm -hmm. though it was about a superhero who... Who, has who had the power, the, had the power to create vegetables to create using vegetables. his mind and 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 his, an array that came out of his finger? What a superpower that is! Yeah, yeah. Be like turnips. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bok choy. <laughs> yeah, so you know, um, that's sort of a lot of what I've done. I think here in Reno, you know, um, when I was working with Nevada Shakespeare, we wrote the play together. But I also produced um, a Christmas Carol twice. We did Macbeth. We did um, we did a massive production of Oliver the Musical mm-hmm. that had a twenty four. No one probably remembers this. It's a long time ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like ten, fifteen years ago almost. But uh, we we produced uh, Oliver, and I directed it. This is a stupid thing to do. I never recommend being in something that you're directing. So I played Fagin in the musical Oliver. Mm-hmm. We had a twenty four piece orchestra mm-hmm. that was basically the Reno Philharmonic. That who were all paid at union rates. So I, I had like 60 kids in this show and I was in it and I was directing it and we had a giant orchestra. It was it was crazy. So we did that up in Truckee uh, one Christmas. So yeah, lots of like making and producing and, and doing that kind of stuff. And a big reason why I sort of ended up at GLM is that um, I directed there and when Chad Sweet was leaving which was pretty sudden, really, to move, to go to RLT. Um, th- there was a lot of, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I've been really, really lucky. I work for the biggest professional theater company, essentially, in the state of Nevada, which is Lake Tower Shakespeare. And I have all these contacts with friends who work across the country doing other, other things. And when I... When and Chris Daniels and I took over GLM, we didn't really know each other at all. We sort of knew each other, and now we're best friends. But um, you know, um, one of the reasons that I went wanted to do that was at the time RLT was just getting its space really organized and getting on its feet where it is now. Mm-hmm. And there was Bruker, but there wasn't really much else going on. And it really. Uh, what what we wanted to do is create something that um, made opportunities for other people mm-hmm. because back then there's a lot more spaces and a lot more things going on now. But back then, and, and it's really not even that long ago, you know, eight years ago now, it felt like there weren't that many opportunities and that a lot of the same actors were going around the same shows and doing the same thing. And so one of the things we sort of, and it's really why I don't perform very much at GLM um, is the, so, the sort of feeling we had at the time was there was a lot of vanity projects going on, which is mm. to say 
which is really why GLM was set up in the first place. If you remember it being set up in the early days, and Scott would say this too, it was it was a vehicle so that Scott could do the things that he wanted to do and be in the things he wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. And that was something we didn't want GLM to be. So we wanted to create a space that was specifically about doing doing work that wasn't being done here at the time, you know, doing things that were a little out of the box, trying to bring people from outside Reno occasionally when we can. And and really for it not to be about me at all or about Chris and for it to be about when someone comes into the space, the sh- you know, providing a platform for people to do things that they haven't done. That's sort of if we were to talk if I was to talk about what my artistic ethos is, that's that's essentially what I'm interested in. I'm interested in building things, but I'm also interested in I'm interested in building things that last, but I'm also interested in helping people if I can. And, and I'm not saying I'm successful at it, but helping people do things that they haven't done before, giving people opportunities to grow and uh, to, to sort of go on and be better and learn and do the best they can, you know. So um, super proud at the moment, Abby Rosen, who's my friend who works hey, with abby. me hey abby yeah. um like abby's going on to grad school in london mm-hmm. uh in the fall and i'm super proud of her for doing that and so working with abby for example abby's been someone i really appreciate because she's very talented she's also very driven and very um um got a great work ethic and so, you know, Abby's come came and taught for me at Lake Tower Shakespeare Festival. And so trying to help Abby learn about what it means to be your own sort of teacher and develop your own style of teaching as opposed to become a rep- replica of me. Yeah. So when yeah. we have teaching artists who work for me, that's my goal. It's like not to make you teach like I teach, mm-hmm. but to find the way that's going to work for you and make you the teacher or educator you want to be, mm-hmm. teaching artist you want to be. And then, you know, had Abby come and direct for me at GLM. So trying to find, you know, uh, opportunities where people can go, oh, this is what I really love. And hopefully they can go on and do other things. And sometimes it's just small ways. Like you get to do, get to direct a show for the first time or, uh, you know, or get to um, take a lead in a show for a first time. We've had a lot of people at GLM take leads that they've never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, trying to do work that's unusual, weird, interesting, different, tell relevant stories, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we could backtrack yeah, yeah. to Shakespeare Festival mm-hmm. or the Shakespeare, uh, just Shakespeare in general. You were saying it might be interesting to talk on how things changed since COVID. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you could speak on that. Yeah. So, um, so Lake Tower Shakespeare Festival, for anyone who doesn't know, we're the biggest, as I said before, we're the biggest outdoor performing venue in the state of Nevada. But we're also really, in many ways, the biggest theater company because there are not... Nevada's a strange place, and a lot of it's to do with casino culture and how that has both been great for us as a population in terms of the arts and entertainment that we've had access to over the decades that they've been here. But it's also detrimental in the sense that makes it very difficult or has made it historically very difficult to form professional companies in the state, Mm. union companies, um, particularly 
partially because you're competing against something that has a lot more resources and is drawing people in for the free stakes and free, you know Unlimited what I mean? money, yeah. You know, um, used to be like, come buy a steak dinner and get a free show, you know? Well, mm-hmm. that's very difficult to do for yeah, a professional they, company. Well, I mean, they do, uh, anytime I've seen a musical at like The Nugget, you know, or The Eldorado, they do the non-intermission, very abridged, yeah, like, like hour 20 hour 30 mm-hmm. version of like hairspray or little shop of horrors or like right. this very get them in get them out kind of musical mm-hmm. like it's going to put butts in seats and on the way to the theater there are a lot of slot machines yeah yeah you know what i mean and uh it's it's interesting and no yeah. clocks no clocks. No and clocks, no slot machine. And lots no, of and weird patterns on the floor. So lots of pumped-in oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which you need to combat all the chain smoking that's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, so Tahoe, we're, the, we're actually quite uh, – it's an old company too. A lot of people – it's 51 years old. So we had our 50th anniversary season last season. Um, and really it was built and designed to – in, the, in its early years, it was built and designed to bring people to the area as a tourist, um, mm. you know, because uh, we're a tourist destination. So part of its economic setup in terms of the arts ecosystem is to bring people here and get them into hotels and all that kind of stuff. About half of Lake Tahoe Shakespeare Festival's audience is from, you know, about 100 miles or more away. And the other mm. half is from Reno, mostly, and Carson and mm-hmm. Tahoe. Um, so, you know, we've, uh, I've been at the, I've been working with the festival in various capacities for the, for a long time. So I've seen it do lots of different operating models. We started out, um, you know, when I was first here, there was no theater company. It was basically a small administrative staff that was really marketing and sponsorships and doing all that kind of stuff. They hired Foothill Theater Company from, uh, Nevada City to come in and do the shows so mm-hmm. it was like an actual completely different organization would come in and do the shows for the summer and then they'd mm-hmm. go off and take the show somewhere else to like Grass Valley where there was another festival that they would do mm-hmm. um, that sort of fell apart and so it launched its own company in 2008 and in the recession when the recession hit you know the great recession of 2008 when that mm-hmm. hit it really it really impacted the festival because just so happened that there was a sort of series of poor decisions, artistically business poor decisions that sort of coincided with the worst economic collapse, you know, of, of recent times. And so in 2010, Lake Tahoe Shakespeare Festival entered into what is a really innovative producing model. We are part of one of the only strategic producing alliances in America. Hmm. Um, the team that runs Lake Tahoe Shakespeare Festival, uh, the artistic director, Charles Fee, and the executive director, Bob Taylor, they are also leadership at two other bigger companies. Okay. So they run Cleveland in Cleveland, Ohio. They run Great Lakes Theater. Mm-hmm. And then in Idaho, Charlie is the art- producing artistic director at Idaho Shakespeare Festival. Mm-hmm. It's very, very cool. Um, it essentially means the three companies are, are one company but separate. It's a, is the way I would describe it. Like they co-produce everything together. Um, Idaho and Cleveland are much bigger. They do five shows a year. Um, you know, so they 
Cleveland is an indoor space. Idaho is like Tahoe is an outdoor amphitheater as well. Mm-hmm. And so we share shows between the, th- the th- I know this is a lot of backstory. Uh, no, we like share it. shows between the three organizations. It's a really innovative model. It means that you pay, you have three companies. Let's say we're doing a Shakespeare play that runs through all three companies. Mm-hmm. You have three companies paying for all the sets and costumes mm-hmm. And yeah. the actors, we might change out a couple of actors as it goes, but the actors can get, potentially can go from having, you know, a month or two months work to having six months work mm-hmm. and getting to perform in three slightly different spaces. The show gets, you know, rehearsed again and blocked again for each space, which is slightly yeah. different. Um, but it's very innovative. It saves each company a lot of money. It also allows designers to make, uh, you know, to work in three different spaces, actors to work in three different spaces has a lot of really big benefits. The problem or the tricky thing becomes uh, has been that COVID, we used to do, we used to work in repertory. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what repertory is, because um, there's not a lot of them now, um, it's when you do two shows at the same time and you have uh, actors working in both shows. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem becomes when you're working in repertory is that if you have Let's say you get someone someone gets COVID in one of the casts. It doesn't just shut down one set of rehearsals. It shuts down two. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just impact one cast. It impacts two casts. So like last year, we had a really amazing season. We did Mamma Mia and we did Much Ado um, in rep. Um, and they weren't completely repped. There were a lot of people who were in just Much Ado and a lot of people who were just in Mamma Mia. And we had 43 about 43,000 people came to the festival last year. It's, you know, we have a big space, but in opening weekend, we ended up with something like 15, 20 COVID cases in the company, mm. you know, and it, it, it really became quite difficult. We, we lost the entire opening weekend of Mamma Mia. And then, you know, we just about got much ado open, but we had to have an understudy come in and, and open the show. You know, because uh, because they were because they were repped. So uh, the young actor who was playing one of the leads in Mamma Mia was also playing one of the leads in Much Ado. Got COVID and had to miss the opening of both shows. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> so its impact is in a, lot, in a lot of ways like that. So the 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 team essentially decided that what the best thing to do was. Charles and Sarah, who is Charles's uh, associate producer and artistic director, decided to stop repping shows. Mm-hmm. They've been repping shows for like, I don't know, decades in the other companies. Um, so it's a very big change. And um, the impact it's had on the impact it has for Tahoe is that we, um, we're the smaller of the organizations and we're also in the oddest location, like mm-hmm. a theater's at three what three thousand feet above sea level no six excuse me six thousand feet above sea level Mm -hmm. and it's a strange community in that it's very small it's hard to house people it's incredibly expensive to house people so this year for the first time we're not doing a shakespeare play in the history of the company we're only doing little shop of horrors this summer wow and it's because of it's be, it's the sort of knock on effect of what COVID. Even though last season was very successful artistically and we did fine financially, but it's had that knock on effect where we need to get back on really stable footing. And, and the best way for us to do it is to have a small show, 
Mm-hmm. Shakespeare plays have loads of people in them. And they've mm-hmm. all got to be housed in Tahoe. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's going to, it can cost like easily over $150,000 to house everyone in Tahoe. Easy, yep. you know, without breaking a sweat. Yeah. Especially <laughs> like now that everything has gone up everywhere. Right? Well, well, I think COVID has had a, like a, a big impact on the housing available in Tahoe. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people left San Francisco or mm-hmm. L.A. or wherever they lived that wasn't Tahoe and they had a second home in Tahoe. They've all left their original primary homes and moved to Tahoe because yeah. of COVID. Um, so it's reduced It's reduced the, the, the market's gone down by something like 5% in terms of available summer housing. And that's a huge reduction if you think about it. If you took like 5% of the housing away in Reno, that would be a lot of housing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, in the Washoe County, there's – well, in Reno, there's 250,000 people if you took 5% of the housing away. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of housing. That's a lot of housing. Which we already have a problem with, right? Yes. Definitely. Let's get some rent control. Yeah. Maybe that would be good. Maybe. We should do it. Uh, so yeah, so that's pushing everyone. So out. that's sort of had a that's 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 kind of how COVID at the moment has had a sort of not long term effect. Our other companies were massively impacted by COVID. We mm-hmm. lost a whole season at Tahoe, mm-hmm. and then we had a set, when we came back, we did complete works of Shakespeare abridged, mm-hmm. and we had a really trun- we did a truncated season that was then impacted by wildfires as well. Yeah, just super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we one of the actors got sick. I had to do a whole week of the. I I was the understudy and working backstage on the sh- on that show. That was the first show I hadn't been like in because there was only three people in it. And I ended up and I still ended up doing a whole week of like taking one of the three roles because mm-hmm. I was understudying. We had two men and a, and a woman in the show. Mm-hmm. I was understudying both men, and I ended up doing like a whole week of shows for the for one of the guys. And then I went to Idaho. Mm-hmm. This is the craziest understudy thing. I, have you ever understudied? Yeah. Well, I uh, you did well, it just recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I I did it a couple times. You say your story first, and then and then I'll say what mine was. So my craziest understudy story happened that that summer. So I did a whole week of that show because Ma, who's a really good friend of mine, he got really sick. He wasn't like sick where he was like felt really bad. He was sick that he completely lost his voice and couldn't talk, mm. and it was to do with. Uh, he it was to do with the smoke like mm-hmm. the smoke was pretty bad and we performed and it wasn't bad enough to call the show off but he just happened to get like strep and the smoke at the same time just meant his voice just completely went for like a whole week and I don't know if you've ever seen uh, complete works of William Shakespeare abridged I have. it's really crazy it's really fun but it's really manic and so it's hard on your voice Lots just of, go, go, and go. at 6,000 feet too he's uh, also yeah. 60 odd years old as well anyway so anyway, I also went to Boise to Idaho for the run there, and I was doing the same job. I was understudying the same guy. Anyway, I was just happened to be there because there's some parts that we would do that are audience interaction. Mm-hmm. We would do them instead because of COVID. We had to we had to not do audience interaction because it was against yeah. equity rules. You weren't gotcha. allowed to be, to be within. You weren't allowed to be within six feet of the audience. So we did the audience, which doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. because, like. You're not actually separated from the rest of society, are you, when, when you're not on the stage? It doesn't make a lot of sense, really. It's kind of daft. It's is like, what it is. Oh, now that, I, now that I'm not, not, now that we're working, I'm completely away from everybody in the world. Yep. 
<laughs> but anyway, we were we were at uh, I was at Idaho Shakespeare, where I've also got to perform a couple of times, and it's awesome. Um, and uh, I was you know backstage, and at intermission, I had to go on at intermission and replace the actor halfway through the show. So, what was really funny about what's really funny about Complete Works is that one of the characters runs away. That's how they do an intermission. I don't know if you remember that, but one of the characters they're supposed to do Hamlet, and one of the characters freaks out and is like, "I can't do it. I can't do Hamlet. It's too much. I'm 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 overwhelmed," and runs away. Well, M A, my friend who got sick in that you know in the middle of the show, had like food poisoning or something that just came on right in the middle of the show. Um, he his character was the one that ran away so his character ran away and just never came back and instead i came back <laughs> so i came i came uh, on and i'm wow. english as well yeah. so they were like um and the audience was just like what <laughs> what is happening like this guy actually did leave yes and i so i just came on and they were like we found this englishman he happened to be in period costume because he was at a ren affair um, we found him in a bar downtown Boise. We have a replacement. We got him. <laughs> and so we just went on and did the whole second half. Like I was just some guy that they found. Really funny. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was really great. And the, but the but this is the cool thing about um, this is a cool thing about Idaho Shakespeare is that um, they have a really amazing connection with their community. Uh, one in five people in Boise, which is the same size of Reno, go to Idaho Shakespeare Festival. Wow. It's 20% of the population of Boise. That's crazy numbers. Where is their theater located? It's right outside. It's right outside of the, of the city center. So uh, you drive about five miles out of the city center, to the, and it's sort of – so where Tahoe's backdrop is the lake, their mm-hmm. backdrop is the foothills of Boise. If you've never mm-hmm. been to Boise, it's uh, – it's from the French, uh, basically meaning trees. Mm. They call it the city of trees. It's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful city. If you've never been there, it's um, all the all the streets are lined with trees, and mm. um, it has all like rolling foothills around it. So yeah. so it's a lot more centrally located than maybe Tahoe. It's easier to get to. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah, that's probably one thing, right? It's not. Yeah. It's it's still out of town, but it's only like ten minutes out of town instead of like forty five. Yeah, but Tahoe is so beautiful. That's the thing. Yeah. Is the backdrop is just like, holy crap. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. My friend and I, Jeff Hawkins, we for years were doing this thing where we would go in the lake during the show. Mm-hmm. Charles would probably be horrified about this. Um, <laughs> we would find a moment during the, while the show is going on to hop over the over the boardwalk fence it's not a fence, rail, uh, run down the beach, go swim in the lake, come back and get dried and go back on stage. <laughs> yeah. Like at intermission or something like that? Or during the actual show? During the actual show, yeah. if, the, if we had time, time, if we yeah. had time. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the reason it becomes challenging is that the further into the season it gets, the colder the lake gets because yeah. the earlier the sun goes down. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we would swim out to the, the buoy, the, the buoy. I'm trying to think. I think it. I think it was. I saw Twelfth Night there. Uh huh. I was and in that. Yeah. They started with, uh, uh, what's her name? Vi- Violet. Yeah, yeah. That Viola. Viola. Sorry. Yeah. They started with her 
uh, but they the actor had been dunked in the lake because of the shipwreck. Yeah, well, really we have a shower down there. Cool. It was a shower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in my mind, I was like, oh, she came right out of the lake. I know she <laughs> did. I know they did that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah of yeah. course, it's a shower. That but. was me in that first scene with her too. Pulling her on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had long hair back mm-hmm. then. I was the sea captain. Oh, do you have a picture that I can put up? Uh, maybe. maybe probably I'll... not probably not you know it's one of those weird things like we i was looking at this because i show kids and i'm teaching pictures of shakespeare all the time mm-hmm. for some reason we only have like four pictures of 12th night up on our website huh. but it yeah you can see happens. like if you go on our website and you look at midsummer night's dream there's a picture of all the mechanicals going like yay and yeah. i'm one of them yeah but i don't have a beard and i'm yeah. s- slightly skinnier I'm wearing an apron. So every time I show it to kids, they're like, why are you wearing a dress? I'm like, I'm wearing an apron. It's an apron. It's, an a- it's clearly a an difference. apron, children. There's a difference. Not that I would care about wearing a dress. Um, uh, so maybe that's a, a good segue right there, not that you would care about wearing a dress. There mm. was a time, uh, let's let's segue into GLM a little bit. Mm. You know, uh, And I bring that up because there was a time where you played Hedwig. Yes. Uh, GLM did Hedwig. So you, you've done a lot of acting, directing, mm-hmm. uh, administrative, pretty much any 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 hat you can think of. Tech work. Yeah. Um, uh, doorman, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. um, like really anything. <clears throat> uh, you do it all at GLM, really. That's that's it. Yeah. Well, the team all does a bit of everything. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, and the team's got bigger. Oh, gosh. And that man, that first... That first year at GLM was really brutal because, <laughs> you know, we had no board. We had, like, it was really fun mm-hmm. because it was like, oh, my God, is this thing going to survive? The day Chris and I took over at GLM, um, we'd been there a week. There was a show going on, which was Evil Dead, which was a, which was like a, an outside company it's complicated, but it was an outside. It was like supposed to be a co-pro, but Chad left right when it was supposed to start. So there was a lot of like a little bit of ill feeling like about about that. Anyway, it was, but it was a really big success, but it was kind of chaos in the space. And the week we arrived, you know, and that, that was kind of going on. There was a fine from the city of Reno because the GLM hadn't paid its um, liquor license ever i guess mm. <laughs> it's just been serving like like booze without having ever paid a license tight and so um so that literally the week we got there there was a an eight thousand dollar fine from the city of reno there was no money in the bank at all there was a show going on that was great and really successful but there was a lot of ill feeling about what you know about not having the support that they thought they were going to get and then Chad leaving and us not knowing what's going on. That's like trying to figure out what, you know, paperwork and having a fine. There's no board, you know. And at this time, I'm pretty certain that GLM was in what is the current uh, Arch of Reno wedding chapel, right? Yeah. Or are we no, talking no. about a different space? It was Yeah, at? it was next to Shays. No, th- this was before, before that. No, no, Evil Dead. The oh, first time oh, was no, no, sorry, I'm thinking of the first one, the first rendition of GLM. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah it's yeah. been in four different, mm-hmm. sp- four or five different spaces. It was in, yeah. it was in the church. It was mm-hmm. in the weird, like what is now like an antique store, or what became an antique store, and now I think is Reno Envy. Oh, was it down there? 
Yeah, it was on. It was right next to Bruca. Really, it was like. Yeah, was no that this... that was the wedding chapel one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was was just... that the first? What you're saying? There was one before that. Yeah, the church. So the church on uh, the Methodist church on First and uh, not Sierra. It's opposite. Uh, what is it called now? It was Jung- Java Jungle? It's not oh, called that now. It's just called the yeah, Jungle it's, now. It's uh, like Cafe Capella. I think. Yes. So off, so yes. it was like right around it's, there. It, yeah, it was in that church first. Oh um, wow! Then it moved to that other space. Yeah, the the wedding chapel place yeah. that's and, kind of by Bruca. Yeah. Yeah, and then and it then, went to next. Then to it Shays. went to next to Shays, and that's yeah. Chris and I came in then. And that's when this story is. Yes. Yeah. So uh, what they said. So that's technically GLM 3.0, which is weird because a yeah. lot of the time after shows, everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, let's go to GLM 2.0. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's actually 3.0. So that's why I was confused, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, with all this. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So GLM 3.0. Yeah. That's where we're at. So we're at 4.0, I guess. And now right 4.0, current, current yeah, yeah, GLM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was um, – I don't know why I was talking about this, but, yeah, it was <laughs> – yeah, I'm I'm a very rambly person. If you hadn't got that, I, go I I have got that, but I like it. I mean, <clears> like it's uh it's nice because I'm a rambly person as well. So I'm just sitting here <laughs> like, yeah, okay, this is nice. So uh, yeah, we uh you know when we first got into that space and it was, you know, it was really it it was really crazy time trying to keep the company like the company was literally like days from just folding. <laughs> And it was like, yeah. we got to raise some money. So we negotiated with the city and got the fine down from eight to $5,000. And nice. we got a board of and people together and we just worked our socks off to like, I mean, like I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I was standing in the, I was standing on the new stage at JLM, which is mm-hmm. a raised stage that we have yeah. now. I was just standing there and I was like alone by myself in the space. And I was just looking around. And I was like, man, I was just thinking of it. It just popped into my head. I was like, wow. Like so much has been done in the like last eight years. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. When we first got to the old GLM, there was no sound. Like there were speakers, but like the sound system was like a really small home stereo system Mm -hmm. with a a really small four track mixing thing and a broken iPod. Mm -hmm. And then the, the lighting was all done on a tiny little laptop that was like this big mm-hmm. and and not just from a technical point of view but i was just looking around i was just thinking like wow like you've done so much stuff in the last eight years mm-hmm. and eight years is a long time but it's also not very long when you think about like oh moved to a different space which is much bigger lots of equipment lots of shows so um moving into the space and all the things that we've done and um obviously one of the big things we're working on right now um Aside from plays, so we have Shark opening in July, which is going to be really fun. Greg mm-hmm. Kleino is directing that. Mm-hmm. It's of the parody scripts we've created so far, I think. Will we get better at doing it each time? Mm-hmm. You know, the group gets the groups we put together, or the group Ash puts together to, to do the parodies, it gets better each time. Um, so we've got that opening in July, which is going to be really fun. Uh, but the big thing that we're working on is a capital campaign to buy the building. Mm-hmm. And that's... Um, that's a really big thing. It's very difficult. How is it going so far? Um, it's going okay. It's going okay. It's not going as fast as we would like it to go, but whatever does go as well as you want it to go. If um, if I was somebody just watching this for mm-hmm. any reason and I had like money to give, yes, where would I go? 
Um, you would go, first of all, um, the best thing to do would be to go to the website and sort of take a look at uh, what we're doing, which is at goodluckmacbeth.org. And um, the next best thing to do would be to get in touch with myself or Sarah. Both our emails are really easy. If you ever need to get in touch with us, that's the best way. Um, so my email for Good Luck Macbeth is joe at goodluckmacbeth.org and Sarah's is sarah at goodluckmacbeth.org. J-O-E. J-O-E, yes. And then S-A-R-A-H? Correct. Great, yeah. Thank you for clarifying. That's a good yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Um, and just reach out uh, to come and take a tour with us around the building because we have really great architectural plans about what we ultimately want to do with the space. Um, we have a really amazing uh, relationship with the owner of the building. We've been incredibly lucky because he gets offers to buy the space all the time because it's because of where it is. It's such a great mm-hmm. building and such a great spot. And, um, you know, he's he showed me uh, recently he had a cash offer that, you know, for the space. Someone was willing to pay him just completely in cash. Wow. Well, not like in a suitcase, but you know what I yeah. mean? Like mm-hmm. they were just going to pay for the whole thing and wanted to turn it into offices. Gross. And wanted us out by July. Gross. Yeah, but he turned it down because uh, we have a really great relationship with cult- we've sort of cultivated together, you know, over the over the five years we've been there. He's really, really kind. So the plan is what we want to do, and this sort of kind of goes back to what I was talking about in terms of not just my vision of what art is, but our collective as the, as the group is, because it's not about me at all, but like what we want to do is we want to purchase the building which will give us long-term stability. And then what we want to do on top of that is we want to renovate the space. So we want to build another level on top. Mm. And the goal is to build a rehearsal slash recital hall over the top of the current space mm-hmm. that will allow us to rehearse shows without being in the in the theater. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that, will, that will give us so many more opportunities because there's so many great groups in town that want to use our space and we want them to use it but finding opportunity because of rehearsal and our own performance calendars becomes really difficult mm-hmm. like for example um ghostlight talked to us about doing uh rocky uh rocky horror picture rocky horror picture mm-hmm. show in our space and um, it's not that we didn't want to want want it to be in the space we just didn't have the space to for that amount of time mm-hmm. because of our season and things that were already booked and planned so it becomes really difficult. And what we want to do is create a rehearsal space so that we can we can rehearse or other groups can rehearse while shows are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it also includes four classrooms that would, we would make available for artists in the community to teach in mm-hmm. at very, very affordable rates. And it includes dressing rooms so that we would... One of the tricky things for our space, for anyone who's worked there, like yourself, mm-hmm. uh, is that we have one dressing room for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, what we want to do is we want to make people more comfortable, more um, at home when they're there by creating more more dressing rooms that are for two to three people. So like a whole group of dressing rooms that could accommodate up to maybe 20 people, but they're mm-hmm. all built. They're smaller ones so that people can be in. There'd still be a green room where everyone can hang out and all that kind of stuff, but it would allow people to feel more comfortable getting changed, be with people in the space that they want to be in, as opposed to having, you know, these, you know, a big dressing room for everyone, or like we have at Shakespeare Festival, which is also weird, you know, just two binary dressing rooms. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
men, women, right? Well, we want to make sure that for actors and performers of the future, everyone has a space where they feel at home and comfortable and, and seen and heard and a space we can provide for them by making more individual spaces. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It does, yeah. That would also include more bathrooms, which anyone who's been to our space will be like, hooray. Right? Speed everything up. Yeah, showers yeah. for the actor, a shower for the actors upstairs, mm-hmm. small kitchenette area for the actors upstairs. And then downstairs, we would actually take the bar out of the theater venue. Mm-hmm. So that would mean the back wall of where the current tech booth is that we built that wall that Mm. whole room was just an empty space when we got in there (laughs) the landlord painted it white the week Mm. before we got in there (laughs) he was like he was like i painted it white to make it look more airy and we were like we're gonna paint this whole thing black immediately (laughs) yeah (laughs) so that was fun um you know so uh we'd have at least 120 seats maybe up to 140 Mm-hmm. which would m- make us equivalent with RLT space, which has up to 140. Mm-hmm. So that would be good. Um, we'd also have a little bit more stage space. Mm-hmm. And the where the office and rehearsal room and the kitchen is now, all that would get knocked through. We'd have an extra downstairs bathroom. We'd have an elevator up to the second floor. And then that whole area, we want to turn it into an art gallery and bar. So... One thing we've been doing this season is we've been bringing artists. We're working with Naomi Naomi Devine, who's mm. works over at Potentialist and Savage Mystic a lot. Uh, Naomi's like our art curator, and she brings in local artists that put up work for every different show. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a really cool one for Men on Boats, if you saw that, which was all, all art by Naomi, actually, because her medium is mirrors. Mm-hmm. She's a glass etcher. So mm-hmm. one of the things that she does besides painting, obviously, is she paints and etches into glass. And so she had a show that was called Reflections that was supposed to be up at Sierra Arts Foundation, got moved to another location, but then that location didn't work either. So she, her show came into our space full time, and she could come in and show people around during mm-hmm. the daytime mm-hmm. or evenings when we weren't performing. So we want to create another, we basically want to turn our building at West Taylor Street from just a theater into more of a collaborative art space Mm -hmm. where people will be coming and going all the time. We already have a resident, we have Reno Jazz Orchestra who are resident. Mm -hmm. They do performances in our space. But we also have around the stage dance company. Mm -hmm. So the goal is to create a a hub really, uh, an environment where there's always art and theater and dance and music and rehearsals and teaching going on all the time a space that's like you know when i'm not at glm anymore you know and when sarah's not glm anymore or when anyone who's not here it's still there and it's something that goes beyond our time that hopefully will be there for the next generation of people to come and take it over because that will happen you know i don't want to be at glm forever not because i don't love it but because it's right that someone else should come in and take it over and run it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. someone else should take it and run with what we've built and make it even better than what we could have imagined. You know, bring things that we don't, the skills we don't have, or, you know, able to reach parts of the community we've not really been able to reach or do work we've not been able to do. All those good things, you know. I have two questions. Yeah. One is do you know uh, a guy by the name of Austin Lugo? Austin Lugo. He runs Theater 42. 
Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Has he approached you already? Yeah, yeah. About... They're in the space this summer. Nice. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. 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 So I was that... I was wondering. I was like, that'd be a perfect person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're coming in and doing their their shows through the summer. We have a puppet show. We have a really cool ad- puppets for adults. Uh, what the heck is the name? It's so good. They have a really great name. You'll have to check out our website for it because it's got left my brain. We we'll, have. We'll uh, put the link down below. Yeah, it's really, uh, really great. Um, oh, uh, F- fears for puppeteers. It's like a play on tears for fears, mm-hmm. but it's like fears, tears for puppeteers. Some, yeah, some kind of play on that. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're really great. They're coming in and doing a show in the summer. We have uh, a company from uh, Las Vegas called Test Market who do like a really interesting comedy slash um, performance art film piece. So it's got film projections in it, but also it's comedy, but also performance art, but also theater. So we've got that coming in the summer. So we do loads of stuff. We have dance piece in the fall. Uh, we're talking about having an opera next year. Um which is really exciting. Are you producing or are you bringing in the opera? Co-producing probably. Nice. But the opera, the person who is com- is uh, is coming from Kansas, um, who he's originally from here um, and used to be a part of Nevada Opera here a long time ago as a performer, um, and now they are a professor uh, teaching in, in Kansas. Nice. Um, so yeah, we, I mean, like the idea to just the whole point really of building the, the campaign is called elevate, elevate the space, but right. also elevate what we can all do together. And I think that's the next big thing that's coming, and it's it's a really important thing to me, which is, um, you know, more collaboration between companies in town, more collaboration between different arts disciplines in town, and. The, whatever the next generation of theater and art and music and dance that comes through in Reno is going to be really exciting. Who, whatever that next generation comes after us, you know, our goal is to leave them something that's better than what we started with. You know, that's, great goal. that's the goal. Um, yeah, I think so. Mm. It's the idea of, you know, I think legacy. Yeah, I think that's the idea for everyone who's trying to you know it's not not the legacy of like i want my name on this building but just the legacy of hopefully f- finding a, a arts community that's better the legacy of Le- our name on the building of the community's name yeah exactly you know, like it's it's more about glm and being a part of that right and less about the individual pieces that make up glm exactly and and peoples um the the other question i had for you mm-hmm. was uh it it's more to just people who are actors. Mm-hmm. They're looking uh, to be cast in things. Um, from my understanding, because I've I've done stuff at GLM. There's always one season audition, mm-hmm. kind of for most of the shows. Which, uh, from from my experience, has been usually they're casting the shows that are more immediate during that. Mm-hmm. They are looking. For the whole season, yeah. But most of those shows that are later in the season will be uh, held. There will be another audition, most likely, yeah, yeah. to cast those. Yeah. Um. So I think currently we're at the point where you've already been through your season audition, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. What other shows do you have coming up that there are di- auditions for that actors watching could maybe uh, go online, check out, and uh, 
and see if they're right for it. Yeah, so we're in the process right now of doing misery callbacks. That's actually happening today. Nice. Uh, this afternoon. Break a leg, people. Yeah. Um, the first part of it, we're going to do a couple um, of callbacks to accommodate people's time. So a couple of things. Um, we're going to be um, – there's a, a, a project we're working on for next year that's a new original piece that we're doing that's – it's not a play. It's I can't. I'm not really going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we're going to we're going to do a dry run of it without an audience because mm-hmm. it's going to involve improv um, as part of the project. Um, so we're going to do a dry run of that in August. So if that's something you're really interested in, interested in, um, definitely just send m- myself an email at Joe at Goodlum at Beth. So you can always find out by just asking me what's going on. And um, oh, to to clarify on that specific project if you're an actor that's like more of uh an improv actor mm-hmm. or if you're looking more towards that that's that's the gear of this particular project yes yeah. yes it needs really good improv skills great um because it will have some script but it will be also heavily improv will be heavily involved in both its creation and its performance um the uh next main stage thing that we'll have after misery is going to be die difficult which Mm -hmm. is our adaptation of die hard Mm -hmm. for christmas because obviously it's a christmas film yes it is uh (laughs) so um that's going to be the next project that people can really audition for that's a full main stage play um we'll we'll be releasing information on our facebook and on our instagram and if Amanda, Amanda, our amazing Amanda McHenry, our amazing mm-hmm. marketing hi, person, yeah, hi Amanda, um, we'll probably release info on TikTok and all that kind of stuff too. And yeah, I don't know if she'll release info on TikTok about auditions, but there'll be something about it somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. And then essentially, you know, the process will be just you know, we usually have a sign up genius type situation where you'll mm-hmm. see the the links on our social media and on our website for the auditions. Any ideas about next season? Yes. And um, I, yeah, <laughs> yes, of course. I know that's very yeah. general and you probably can't say too much about picks. But uh, as far as like season audition, mm-hmm. around what time of year do you think that will be? It's a good question. I think we're going to do it earlier this year because mm-hmm. for reasons that will become clear in a, in a few months, mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of months, uh, some we're going to have some different – we're going to be doing some things a little differently. Um, but, um, yeah, so probably the end of this summer we'll mm. be doing season auditions. We usually do one in the fall. Well, COVID changed that a little bit because mm. um, we didn't do a season last year. Yeah. You know, in the same kind of way. Yeah. 2022 season was – it was still a season, but it was it was more show by show by show. Um this next year, we'll, we are planning on having a full, you know, back to normal. So we want to – there's going to be musicals for sure. There's going to be original projects for sure. There's going to be a lot of really cool stuff. It's going to be a really great season actually. Yeah. Yeah. What well, we'll, You know, fingers crossed. We're lining all the rights up and all that stuff. When might you think an announcement of that season will be made? Probably n- the end of July. End of July? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the absolute latest, it'll be August. It's just some of it is just uh, wrapping up uh, rights for things mm-hmm. um, because it can depend on 
you know, uh, how quickly we get responses and all that kind of stuff. And obviously the other thing is we're a nonprofit organization. So Mm -hmm. how our structure works is that our board has to approve it too. So Mm -hmm. we have submissions from some people in the community that are coming in. We have uh, projects that people in the organization, you know, pick. And the way that we select a season is that we, once we have the lineup of shows that we think we want, we go, we have like a, it's not like an official committee. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like a board committee, but it's actually the whole staff sit down together and talk through the pros and cons of all the different shows that have been selected um, and the different things that people have pitched and what the whole season would look like. So it's not just me going, I think we shall do this play. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole team sort of selects it together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and you are directing misery, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is your vision for this version of misery? Um, it's a good question. You know, it's, uh, the stage adaptation is quite different from the film. It's like, uh, it's not completely different. It, it's got a, it's a little bit more of an amalgamation of the book and the film. Mm. So there are details in the book that don't appear in either the stage adaptation or the film adaptation. Mm. I think, uh, you know, the main thing is, uh, just creating something that people are going to really resonate with because it's a it is a scary piece Mm. it's also really interesting to have a play where there are two main characters and one of them is essentially in bed Mm -hmm. the whole time yeah so um the the trick is going to be having actors and you know staging and language speaking all the things that are really dynamic in in something that is essentially quite a quite a still piece for a lot of the time in terms of like there's not a lot of movement or blocking or so i think creating that sort of environment for the audience that allows you to feel that claustrophobia good tension yeah and holding that for for most of the for the whole time is going to be really fun yeah for everyone yeah i'm excited to see it yeah me too (laughs) (laughs) um oh man i had another question for you uh maybe just one or two more questions. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, the the first one is if someone were to look you up online, where could they find you on me on Facebook on Instagram? Oh, yeah, yeah. You. I mean, I you could find me on Facebook and Instagram. I just my name is my handle for both of those things. And um, you know, I am not a big social media person. Mm-hmm. Do you have a website? I don't. I used to. Mm-hmm. I don't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I probably will at some stage again. Mm-hmm. Um. Because, you know, uh, it will be necessary at some point in the future to do more directing and more what, things outside what are your, GLM. What are your handles on uh, social media? And then maybe you can give GLMs as well. But I think those are pretty Yeah, easy. yeah, of course. Uh, so mine are just Joe Atak, J-O-E-A-T-A-C-K, mm-hmm. um, on both uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um I use Twitter, but I don't really use Twitter. I mostly just yeah. the only thing I use Twitter for is following my football team, really, in England. Yeah, <laughs> and l- looking at uh, what's going on in that in back home in, in that world. Yeah. Um, but uh, GLM is uh, Good Luck Macbeth. At you'll find if you type in Good Luck Macbeth, and it's Look L U C K, not L double O K. As in the two things you're not supposed to say. Right in a theater, is mm-hmm. was the idea, yeah. That they cancel each other out. They do. 
That's how it works. And you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on uh, Facebook, of course. You can find us on TikTok. I have never used TikTok personally. Yeah. So I can give you no advice. It's, I mean, do you ever watch reels on Instagram? Yeah, it's yeah. The same thing. Yeah, and I, I, I appreciate it. I just, I just don't have time. You don't. Nobody does, but no. people make time yeah, over the course of days. I know. That I, equals up to it's like a vortex six hours of their I, life I every lose. week. I have like mild, I think, I think, I've never been diagnosed, but I think I have like mild ADHD. So anything like that is a real time hole for me where I would just yeah. be like that those kind of like short videos mm-hmm. are just oh, like too addicting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, like the s- serotonin or whatever it would release in my brain of like watching them over and over again. Is I have one last question for Go you on. because I feel like uh, we need to wrap this yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think, because you've spoken on it a little bit and I've mm-hmm. asked this to uh, several different people within the community. What do you think on the future of Reno uh, theater film just art in general, the way the trajectory is going. Um, I've heard from some people in the community that they're looking into trying to make playhouses that might be, mm-hmm. you know, more of a union playhouse. Yeah, yeah. Um, things like that. So there definitely is a giant growth. There's a lot of film coming through mm-hmm. uh, Nevada in general. I mean, Vegas is blowing up right now, but I feel like Reno's a hop, skip, and a jump away. Um, what what are your thoughts on on the community growing? I think it's exciting. You know, with growth, there's always going to be growing pains. So, you know, um, I think we see that in Reno in terms of housing and space. So there are going to be challenges in that world from a from a purely like practical standpoint. But I think it's really I think it's a really exciting time to be in Reno, and I think we're at the beginning of the curve. You know, I think all the amazing film work that's going on, people such as yourself making really awesome film projects. I think there is going to need to be more and more collaboration between theater companies moving forward. Um, I think there's going to need to be, um, you know, both. I can I, I can say this because we've had the conversations in terms of like, I know that both RLT, for example, and GLM have ambitions to to create equity companies in the future. Like mm-hmm. those are the long term have always, well, I shouldn't say for our, I don't know that that's our LT's project long-term goal, but in terms of like for Reno, I know that people who work at RLT and at GLM and I'm sure Bruca too, right. Have long-term vision of creating professional theater in Reno. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, we're going to need new spaces. Yeah. Because in order to sustain a professional company, we're going to need uh, a theater space eventually that has at least 200 seats, but probably somewhere around the three to 400 mark. And that is just simply the fact, the the cost of paying people. Because mm-hmm. co- once you start paying everybody, we pay everyone at GLM, but it's just a stipend. Mm-hmm. But I mean... We give out $100 in stipends, right, mm-hmm. to each person, which is nothing. Last, 2022, we paid out over 100 We paid, like, close to, I shouldn't say over, we paid close to $100,000 mm. to people last year. That's great. Yeah, it mm. is great. From nothing to $100,000 is a long, is a lot. Mm-hmm. But now everybody, now if you went to, like, you extended that to, like, everyone's making 250 a week, which is still nothing. Mm-hmm but then your costs like really go up, mm-hmm. right? 
and it's not just about paying people's wage, but then you also have to pay into people's pension plans and mm-hmm. health care once yeah. you go into the union world. So anyway, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent. But, um, you know, I think the long-term vision for a lot of the theater companies in town is to build towards that um, being an option for us, not without losing the sense of community theater that we already have. Because I think that's also, I know for RLT that's very important. And I know for us it's really important. I know for Bruker it's really important to also retain the community theater aspect, which is to give people opportunities who don't want to do it for a living as well. Mm -hmm. So I think there's going to be a lot of growth. I think there's going to be a lot of collaboration. I think we're going to see lots of really new, weird, and interesting things happen. I have a friend, for example, in England who's exploring um, who's exploring the boundary between theater and augmented reality, mm-hmm. which is super cool. He, like, created a virtual reality version of himself, mm. right, and is, like, using projections and things, right? So I think there's a lot of cool stuff that's coming down the horizon that we haven't even thought about yet in terms of collaboration between theater and film and you, yeah, and, you know. another person I could ask, do you know Nick Gap at UNR? I don't think so. Yeah, I should uh, I should introduce yeah, you to him. Yeah, please he's, do. He, he's a really cool guy. Um, he works at, in the Media One department under mm. the Joe. Um, yeah, yeah. Or the library, not the Joe, sorry. I know what you mean, um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's, he's wicked fast at doing stuff. I helped him, or he helped me color a piece that I was doing and uh, very fast at all of it, did it in a very efficient way, uh, teaches coloring classes. It's, it's, he, he's one of those people that I feel are very, very similar to you. You meet um, this individual uh, and they're just so humble. They're, they're humble in a lot of ways because you meet them and they're just like, oh, yeah, I do this thing and I'm the person who shows everybody how to do this stuff and yada, yada, yada. And you're like, great. And then you start working with you and you're like, oh, your breadth of knowledge is like, so vast, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's one of those guys that That's just awesome. is so willing to do stuff. That's cool. Um, and I definitely, I I can't speak highly uh, enough of him. Oh. And I definitely think he's like doing camps and stuff himself for, mm-hmm. for filmmakers and stuff right now. Very cool. I know that he's one of the people that is very interested in just growing that um, community through UNR. Mm-hmm. He run, he's, uh, I don't know if he runs the film club, but he's definitely very integrated with it Mm -hmm. um and last year i went they had this event where you know he was like i was wondering if you could just come up and you know say who you are and just ask people if they wanted some random jobs on a film set just being a pa or whatever it did i only got like one or two people but i think that their film club has grown Mm -hmm. because that was like the first year they had had it Mm -hmm. so i think um like you're saying you know this line between uh medias I think that is the other component because Mm -hmm. uh, the theaters, the the theater community here is tight. You know, that was apparent from COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only the three pillars of of community theater that you're saying right now, but also like the Pioneer Center was on on board within that community of just as a united front Mm -hmm. being like, what are we going to do in order to continue? Um, So I think that, you know, you and our um, TMCC, I know that they, they're they doing more theater now. Mm-hmm. They used to have the theater off of 5th and Keystone, but they're probably rebuilding. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Shea King is directing at, um, who's the new head of theater right at TMCC, is directing uh, Susical right now at yeah. RLT. Yeah. So 
there's a lot there's a lot of really exciting opportunities for people and i i guess what i would say to you is if if you're interested in making art if you're interested in making theater like don't you know first of all don't be afraid to reach out and ask people like for for help or mm-hmm. support or even if that help and support is like i can't bring you into my space right now but we can help you talk about what it is you want to do yeah. right because there are conversations to be had about we've had a lot of these conversations so if you want to have conversation about how do i set up a company how do i how do i formalize it how do i do any of those things reach out because we're here to help you um and here to have those conversations we've had those conversations with around the stage we've had those conversations with lots of different people about how to help you fund your projects get your projects working there's loads of great resources out there and you know happy to help connect people with them you know when they want when they need them nice yeah yeah i just wanted to touch on all that because i thought it was uh yeah important um thank you very much for joining us you're welcome thank you for having me pleasure yeah um and until next time au revoir bye bye thank you great what time is it